for our scripture, which comes from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. It's good to be here with you all this morning as we are gathered here together to worship God with one another. Um, I do have an update to the announcements. Catherine Arrington texted me in church, and that's okay. Uh, she needs Meals on Wheels drivers Thursday and Friday. So if there's anyone who on Thursday or Friday can deliver Meals on Wheels, if you'd please text Catherine or call her. Um, her number is on the, the insert in the bulletin that I left in my seat. Uh, but if you have time on Thursday or Friday and are willing to, to spend some time helping others out, I know that uh, they would appreciate it and we would appreciate it. And so if you'd please contact Catherine, I would appreciate it. Uh, today we're going to be, or uh, I had a picture of the, the items from Parkview because um, I was just going to thank you all again for all that you did and all that you provided. I know that um, the families that received these gifts from Parkview were blessed. And I think we're extremely fortunate as a church to be able to partner with them and to do 40, the 40 uh, Thanksgiving bingo boxes that they call them. And so I just want to thank you all for that again. And, and it's just a, a highlight of my year when I get to deliver stuff like that on behalf of you. Um, because it's just really cool. So thank you. Um, today we're going to be ending our sermon series that uh, we've been doing for the last couple of weeks on prayer. And so what we were going to do for three weeks is we were going to talk about um, how prayer keeps us connected to the real power of God. And one of the easiest things that I've realized as I've worked on this sermon series is that uh, if we are ever recognizing or if we ever feel like we're unconnected to God, then one of the first things we need to do is we need to look at our prayer lives. And so if you're feeling unconnected to God, I think the first thing every one of us needs to ask is not to look at other people, it's not to look at other things, but I think what we need to do, we need to look at ourselves and we need to say, how am I engaging God in prayer? Am I taking my joys and my concerns to God in prayer? Am I thanking God for the things in my life through my prayer life? I think if we find ourselves disconnected with God, I think so many of us so often may find that the root of our disconnect is because we're not doing the things we need to do to get connected, which is prayer. Because it is in prayer that God speaks to us. It's in prayer that you and I can ask God to intercede. It's in prayer that we seek God's guidance. It's in prayer that we repent. It's in prayer that we find hope. And it's in prayer that we accept and ask God for our salvation and so in today's scripture, we are going to see in Philippians how it's in prayer that God invites us to experience a peace that I would say is real peace. It's peace that, that surpasses all things in the words of Paul. It surpasses all understanding, but also we're going to see how it is in prayer that from God, you and I can offer real gratitude for what we have and what we've been given and what God has done for us. Because it's in prayer that you and I are able to do so many things. And as followers of Jesus, 
Prayer should be central to who we are. Prayer should be central to how we practice our faith because prayer is what keeps us connected to God. And so for a quick review over the past two weeks, we've looked at, at this topic of prayer and we've asked the question, why do we pray? You may remember the first week we talked about Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And in that sermon, we identified some hindrances to prayer. Like we, sometimes we just don't feel adequate to, to be able to put into words what we're feeling. Or, or we don't feel like we have the words when it comes time to pray for and with someone else. We just cut ourselves off because we have Friends, whatever words we enter to God are the gods that we need to share with, are the words that, that God needs to hear because God knows our hearts. I think we also looked in the first week, we talked about sin in general is an obstruction to our communicating with God. Just as sin keeps us from truly following God. It keeps us from talking to God. It keeps us from listening to God. It gets us disconnected from God. And so when we're not praying, we have to look and we have to think of ourselves and we have to say, what am I doing? Where am I going? What is happening in me that's keeping me from really being in communication with Jesus? Because I'm going to tell you that the reason that you and I are not able to pray when we're unable to do so, it's never about God, right? It's about us. It's about the condition of our hearts. It's about what we're doing. It's about what we're engaging in. God stands ready to hear our prayers whenever we utter to them to him, whenever we offer them to him, whenever we are ready to pray, I can promise you that he hears them. But we're the ones that have to examine ourselves. And we're the ones that if we're disconnected, it's because of us. We also looked at how uh, Paul lists in, in the, armor of the, the armor of God in Ephesians 6. You know, and these are things that he lists out that you and I need to use in a life of faith. And there's probably a good sermon series in that, in these six pieces of armor and what they can do for us and how we can live in, in practicing and engaging in each of them. But I think the important thing that we often overlook when it comes to the armor of God is Paul ends that passage of Scripture by saying and by placing prayer over all of them. So he may say, you need the belt of truth, you need the breastplate of righteousness, you need the shield of faith, and it, all, all of them. But then he also says, for you to receive them and for you to be able to use them in the way that God wants you to use them, you have to be talking to God about how they're going to be used. Which also means we can ask God to give them to us, and we can ask God to strengthen us as we use them. And so last week we looked at John 15. If you haven't read John 15 lately, John 15 is where Jesus talks about how he is the vine and we are the branches and we are to abide in him. And Jesus uses this image, this agricultural image, and he tells us that for us to live fruit that is worthy of him, we have to stay connected with him. And he also says, if, I'm gonna stay, if you're going to stay connected in me, then you have to engage in my words so that I can stay connected with you. So he promises that he will abide in us even as we choose to abide in him. And we are able to abide in him through our prayer life, through our studying of his word. And we can't have the word of God within us if we're not reading it. We can't invite Jesus to abide in us and to work in and through our lives if we're not doing the things that we need to be doing to bring and to, to, to place the word of God in us. Which means we have to be studying God's Word. 
and praying about it. You know, there are plenty of excellent resources and authors who can write phenomenal books about what the Bible says to them. You can read, spend time reading those. But I think we also have to remember that they're no replacement for what reading the Bible actually does for us. Because the reading the Bible means that you're taking in the Word of God for yourself. You're not reading what someone else has, has come to, to find about it and has written about it. And I'm not saying, I mean, they're great. But I'm saying for us to have Jesus and to invite Jesus to abide in us through our prayers, then we have to engage the Word of God and we have to invite His Spirit to guide us directly. Not through someone else, but through us opening our Bibles, reading His Word, and then spending time in prayer allowing Him to work in and through us. So this week we're talking as, as we're approaching Thanksgiving, I think it's appropriate for us to, to think about how our, our prayers are a way that you and I are able to express our gratitude to God. I think sometimes we, we get stuck in our prayers. We get stuck in our prayers, and what I mean by that is we get stuck in, in always making the ask or in always making the ask for others or in always um, praying for specific things without really taking time to thank God for what He has done and for where He has been active in our lives. I mean, maybe we feel like if our prayers don't have power, it's because, you know, we're not offering God our gratitude. And so what we have done is we've oriented our hearts and our minds towards the wants in our lives, towards the needs in our lives, towards praying for others and their health ills and their ailments and whatever else is going on in their life. And we don't ever stop to just say, God, God thank you. And could it be that when we overlook giving God our thanks, we're overlooking opportunities for Him to speak to us in a new and different way in our prayer life? As I've spent time thinking about prayer and gratitude and teaching it in our prayer lives, I think a good example is raising children. I mean, think about how often when you're around a young child and you're focused on making sure that if you hand them something, what do they say? Thank you. How often have you stood there holding something, waiting for the thank you, while they're slowly pulling it out of your hand, you know, waiting for it? We've all done it. How often have we stood there? I mean, we just wait. Because what we want to do is we want to form in them an expectation and an attitude of, of thankfulness, of gratitude where they're willing to express it towards others we do that because we know it's polite we do that because we want them to have gratitude as part of who they are we want their first reaction to be saying thank you when they receive something i think that should be our same focus when it comes to how you and i engage god in prayer to where our first reaction even when things are going you know terribly awry when things are happening that are out of our control, I still think we need to have a, a, a fallback position in our attitude and in our prayer life to God that we're willing to express our gratitude even when everything else is going on. We want it to be our first action. And so let's look at the Bible. There's a few verses that I want to lift up to you all today. The Bible's full of gratitude, and, and it's often gratitude if you think about it. It's gratitude of God's faithfulness. 
It's gratitude of God's presence. It's gratitude of God's work. It's gratitude of God's forgiveness. It's gratitude for creation, for the sending of His Son, for the gift of salvation. I mean, you can read the Bible, and I honestly, I think we can overlook gratitude because the Bible is interwoven with words of gratitude towards God, words of thanks. I mean, you can look at the book of Psalms. If you wanted to take some time to, to just offer your thanks to God and, and make that a part of who you are, you can read the book of Psalms. Now, the book of Psalms, you're not probably going to read in one day because there's 150 Psalms written to God. But if you look at them, they're psalms to honor God, they're psalms to praise God, they're psalms to, to cry out to God, and they're psalms asking God for guidance. But they're a great place to start if we want to read about offering gratitude and thanksgiving. Because even when the psalm writer, whether it was King David or others that, that may have written these, these psalms, are, are praying, even when they're crying out to God for guidance or for deliverance or for release or for whatever it is that they are facing, they're still thanking God. And they're still recognizing God's faithfulness. They're still recognizing that God has been present. They're still recognizing that God has not tossed aside the people of Israel, even as they have chose time and time again to stray from the path that he has placed them on. I mean, go read it. Like, even as, as people are just experiencing, you know, terrible, or just terrible things, they're basically saying, God, I can lift this prayer to you because... I know of what you have done and I am thankful for all that you have already done for me. I mean, even if they face adversity, there's still words of thanks. And I think that's something that we can model in our own prayer lives too. One of those most well-known psalms of gratitude and thanks is Psalm 100. It reads, Shout to joy for the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God, it is He who made us, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all the generations. You can go look at in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Verses 14 through 22. 2 Samuel is where King David has established the nation of Israel. David has consolidated all of the tribes of Israel. They um, have, have defeated their enemies. The, the risk is no longer there. And, and they're in a time when you know, they're not engaged in, in any conflict. And so David, God has now told him that it is time for him to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the box that contains the Ten Commandments, into the city of Jerusalem. And so if you go and look, David um, you know, leads this procession. The Levites are carrying the box. There's this great procession and there's great celebration because for years the people of Israel have waited to be able to bring the box into the city. And so David dances. And why does he dance? If you read his words, he dances because he is giving God gratitude and thanks for what God has done as God has remained faithful and God has continued to be faithful, even as Israel, uh, you know, does not always do what they wanted him to do in response to him. Even in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 18, we read a passage of Scripture where Jesus heals ten men who, are, who have a leprosy. 
and I forgot. Oh, here it is. Perfect. All right. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have, mercy, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. All right, so Jesus has healed ten men. He's cast, they've been cast out of the community because they have leprosy. And these men are living, if you'll see in the map, in kind of the no man's land that exists between Galilee and Samaria. There's a reason that Luke spends the time to tell us these, these men are residing between Galilee and Samaria. In the times of Christ, you know, the Galileans did not uh, interact with the Samaritans, nor did the people that lived in Jerusalem interact with the Samaritans. And so if a person was going from Galilee to Jerusalem, they would usually either cut straight through the, uh, the Samaria, and they wouldn't stop, and they'd get through there as fast as they could. They wouldn't interact with other people. They wouldn't stop or do anything like that. Or people would take the route, and they would go all the way down along the Jordan River to go around Samaria. Now, here's where this is important. Is I think the ten lepers are a combination of Jews and Samaritans, aren't they? Because I think when you're cast out from your community, I don't really think the... Um, the classifications of Jew and Galilean and Samaritan really mattered for people that, that you know, were, were forced to be with people that, that they had to live with. They were all lepers. And so these men who are exiles have found each other. They're unable to enter town. They're unable to travel. They had to announce their uncleanliness to the, the folks that were coming towards them on the road. And then they had to get far off the road if others approached them. They depended on the charity and support of others for their needs. And Luke writes that as Jesus approached the ten, they shout out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And so Jesus has pity on them. He says to the ten, go, show yourselves to the priests and you will be healed. They had to do, didn't they? They had to go. And in their going, they were healed. Jesus didn't just offer to heal them. He didn't just offer them to, to be healed instantaneously. But he offered them healing if they were willing to go out in faith. And so they were healed. And here's where the gratitude part comes in. As Luke tells us that only one of the men came back. Now, I'm sure the other nine have run to their families. They've run to their towns and uh, are excited to get back. And as the man thanks Jesus, Jesus says, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? See, God wants us to be a people of gratitude as we recognize and as we acknowledge His work as this man has done. And the most important way, the most basic way you and I can do this is in our prayers. As we spend time thinking about what God has done, our faith will grow 
and our faith will be bolstered and it will be strengthened. In our scripture this morning, Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what does Paul tell us to do? Present your prayers and petitions to God and be thankful. Present your asks and offer your thanksgiving. And it's then that we will experience the peace that comes from God himself. You'll notice Paul doesn't tell the Christians of Philippi that if they present God their prayers and their petitions with thankfulness, that the opposition that they face is going to suddenly be gone. He doesn't tell them that the challenges that are before them are going to immediately be removed. It doesn't tell us that everything is fixed or that our problems will be remedied. It doesn't mean that they won't still continue to face sin and its consequences. But what does it say? It says, present your prayers and petitions with thanksgiving and God will allow you to experience peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. Meaning that we can experience peace in our trials, in our celebrations, peace in knowing that God's hand is present and in knowing that He is with us. Friends, for us to learn how to be truly grateful, we have to offer our gratitude to God in prayer. Prayer is where He meets us, and prayer is where you are able to offer it all to Him. Last week I ended my message by sharing a little uh, acrostic of Acts as a simple framework to prayer. You know, tools like this are helpful because they give us a simple guide or a framework on which we structure our prayer, and so that's on the screen. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Found a second short tool for our framework and our prayers. Some of you may be familiar with this one. It's the prayer hand. I looked it up last night, and there's like five or six varieties of the prayer hand that go around. So (laughs) if you use a different one, um, I'm sorry. Uh, But it's just another, another framework. So your thumb, you pray for those closest to you, your friends, your family. Your pointer finger points the way for those uh, who lead you for direction. Your middle finger is praying for those in in leadership. Your ring finger is for praying for those who are sick, hurting, or suffering. And then your pinky finger is the smallest because you're praying for yourself. What I love about all of these is they help us to structure our prayers to where we're focusing on ourselves last. And we're focusing on God We're focusing on gratitude. We're focusing on the needs of others. And then we lift ourselves in our prayers to Him. Friends, God stands ready to hear your prayers. Whether you say them now or whether you say them somewhere else, whenever you need to say them, He stands ready. And when we offer Him our prayers and our petitions with thanksgiving, He will give us peace. He won't fix everything. But he'll give us peace and the knowledge that he's with us, even as we go through whatever trials are before us, we can know that he is there. Amen.